0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the 10-minute market update on the Real Market Talks podcast. If you're enjoying this episode or the show in general, it would be great to hear your feedback, especially if you want to leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're interested in being on the show or know someone who might be, reach out to realmarkettalks at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Now on to the news. The phenomena of empty office buildings being transformed into vertical farms is gaining momentum in various cities. With office usage still around half of pre-pandemic levels, innovative approaches are being explored to repurpose these spaces. Area 2 Farms in Arlington, Virginia exemplifies this trend by converting an old paper company and warehouse building into productive space for growing greens, herbs, and root vegetables. Co-founders Jackie Potter and Tyler Barris are utilizing this method to bring locally grown food to the Washington, D.C. area, offering a fresh and sustainable alternative to traditional agriculture. In the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, the shift to remote work has left a significant portion of office spaces vacant, with nearly 20% of U.S. office space currently empty. This situation presents an opportunity for city officials to rethink the use of these buildings. In New York, for example, there are plans to convert empty offices into apartments, while other cities like Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Chicago, and Philadelphia are considering similar transformations. However, the conversion of offices to residential spaces can be costly due to layout differences. Vertical farming emerges as a viable alternative, as demonstrated by Area 2 Farms' innovative silo system. This multi-level conveyor belt system designed for vertical farming replicates plants' natural circadian rhythms and reduces physical labor typically associated with traditional farming methods. In Calgary, Alberta, AgriPlay Ventures has also embraced this concept by turning a portion of the Calgary Tower Centre into one of Canada's largest indoor urban farms. Dan Houston, president of AgriPlay, views office buildings as a natural fit for vertical farming due to their already suitable infrastructure for food production, like air conditioning, heating, and ventilation. AgriPlay's technology, which utilizes artificial intelligence for modular growth systems, is specifically designed to adapt to existing office spaces. The firm's goal is to expand its operations and become a key player in providing technology for community-based food production. Vertical farming offers several benefits over traditional farming methods, including the ability to produce similar yields in urban areas and smaller spaces while using significantly less water and energy. This approach not only addresses food security concerns, but also presents economic opportunities by creating new green jobs and revitalizing urban centers. With commercial real estate facing challenges and the growing need for food security, the conversion of empty office spaces into productive vertical farms could represent a significant shift in urban planning and sustainability. Macy's experienced a surge in its stock value following a buyout proposal from Arkhouse House Management and Brigade Capital Management. The proposal, valued at $5.8 billion, aimed to acquire Macy's stock not already owned by the investors for $21 a share, representing a significant premium. This development has revived the longstanding belief that the real estate holdings of retail companies like Macy's hold substantial value. Arkhouse, known for its focus on real estate, and Brigade Capital Management, with a history in retail investment, haven't disclosed their plans for Macy's operations. However, the retailer's vast real estate assets, including ownership of over 300 stores, are seen as potentially more valuable than the retail business itself. Neil Saunders, from Global Data, estimates Macy's real estate worth to be around $6 billion, surpassing its market capitalization. Despite the potential value in its real estate, Macy's faces challenges in the retail sector with declining sales and profits compared to pre-pandemic levels. The retail landscape has shifted significantly, with consumers moving towards discount stores, fast fashion, and direct brand purchases. Other department stores like Kohl's, JCPenney, Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, and Vonton have also experienced varying degrees of financial distress, highlighting the broader struggles of the department store industry. The potential buyout of Macy's brings into focus the debate on the best use of retail real estate. Activist investors have previously pressured Macy's to sell its real estate and lease it back, a strategy that provides immediate financial gain but can lead to long-term challenges, as seen in the cases of Mervyn's and Sears. Both companies went through sale-leaseback deals, which eventually contributed to their downfall due to increased rental costs and insufficient reinvestment in retail operations. Macy's has chosen a different path, selectively selling some properties while exploring development opportunities, like building an office tower atop its New York flagship store. The outcome of the buyout proposal and the future of Macy's real estate assets remain uncertain. Any significant changes to Macy's operations could have widespread implications affecting its employees, suppliers, and the malls where its stores are located. Neil Saunders notes the importance of focusing on retail operations warning that prioritizing short-term real estate profits could weaken Macy's position in the long run and accelerate the decline of its brand. The situation at Macy's serves as a microcosm of the challenges facing large department stores in an evolving retail landscape. Sweden's commercial real estate sector is currently facing a significant challenge primarily due to soaring interest rates and excessive borrowing during times of lower rates. The situation has escalated following eight rate hikes by the central bank since spring 2022, leading to increased financial pressure on many real estate firms. These companies are now grappling with higher interest costs, declining property values and a slowdown in the economy. The issue is so severe that it has raised concerns about financial stability, affecting the Swedish crown currency and leading to a reduction in foreign investments in Swedish assets. Credit agencies have downgraded several firms to junk status, indicating a high risk of default. The real estate sector's problems have significant implications for Sweden's banking system, with loans to real estate firms accounting for about 16% of bank lending. This figure rises to over 60% when including mortgages to households. Handelsbanken, followed by Swedbank, SEB, and Nordea are among the banks with considerable exposure to Swedish commercial real estate. The total debt of listed commercial real estate firms stands at around $175 billion, with bank loans constituting about two-thirds of this borrowing. This debt maturity schedule shows significant amounts maturing annually from 2024 to 2027, raising concerns about refinancing amid rising interest rates. The potential for a crisis in the commercial real estate sector leading to a banking crash is a matter of concern. Stress tests by the financial watchdog suggest that banks could lose around $4.8 billion in such a crisis. While banks maintain substantial capital buffers, there is uncertainty about the impact a crisis could have on the overall confidence in the financial system. The recent collapses of banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse highlight the speed at which investor and depositor confidence can erode. In response to these challenges, real estate firms have begun measures like buying back debt, selling assets, and raising equity. However, authorities believe more needs to be done, especially as high interest rates are expected to persist. In the event of a crisis. The Swedish government has various tools at its disposal, similar to measures taken during the 2008-2009 financial crisis and the pandemic. These include guaranteeing bank debts, offering subsidized loans, and potentially setting up a state-backed bad bank to absorb underperforming property loans. Financial Markets Minister Niklas Weichmann has assured that the government is prepared to take action if financial stability is threatened. In November of 2023, U.S. consumer prices rose unexpectedly, primarily driven by increasing rental costs, which offset the decline in gasoline prices. This development suggests that the Federal Reserve is unlikely to cut interest rates early in the next year. The Labor Department reported that the Consumer Price Index edged up by 0.1% in November, while Core CPI, excluding food and energy, increased by 0.3%. This rise in underlying inflation was influenced by higher prices in used cars and trucks, health care, and motor vehicle insurance. The data follows recent job gains and decreases in the unemployment rate, reinforcing the likelihood of continued policy tightening by the Federal Reserve. The rental market played a significant role in November's inflation figures. Rents increased by 0.5%, contributing to the rise in core CPI. The owner's equivalent rent a measure reflecting homeowners' rental value also saw a similar increase. Despite these increases, there is a possibility that rental inflation might moderate in the coming year due to a higher rental vacancy rate and a substantial number of apartment buildings in the pipeline. However, services inflation, excluding rents, also saw a notable increase, indicating that service prices are becoming more persistent. In contrast, there were areas where consumer prices declined. Apparel prices fell, likely due to holiday discounting, and prices for household furnishings, operations, and new motor vehicles also decreased. This contributed to the continuing deflation in goods prices, with core goods prices dropping by 0.3%. Other categories like communication, recreation, and airline fares also saw price reductions. Despite some increases in specific categories, the overall trend in inflation is showing signs of cooling, and economists expect more moderate figures next year. The impact of inflation on the economy and public perception remains a concern. High inflation has adversely affected President Joe Biden's approval ratings and could influence his re-election prospects in 2024. However, There are signs of improvement in consumer inflation expectations, as indicated by recent surveys from the New York Fed and the University of Michigan. Additionally, data from the National Federation of Independent Business revealed that fewer small business owners are raising prices, although many plan to increase compensation due to ongoing labor shortages. These trends suggest that while inflation may be cooling, the path to significantly lower inflation by the end of next year may not be as smooth as anticipated. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, and I'll catch you next week on the Real Market Talks podcast.